Acts chapter 15, beginning at verse 1. And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Tradition. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia, Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy to all the brethren. And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders. And they reported all things that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up, saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Tradition. Pray with me. Holy Spirit of God, move mightily today in our hearts and our midst that, Lord, we would be touched and moved and inspired by your Holy Spirit. And that we would come away, O Lord, with which message you would have us to follow and to espouse and to be a part of. Through Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. Thank you. And you may be seated. And I'm going to pick up there with verse 6 and move forward. Now, the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. This was the Jerusalem council. And when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as He did to us, and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why do you test God? By putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our Father nor we were able to bear. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Then all the multitude kept silent, and listened to Barnabas and Paul declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. And after they had become silent, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how God at first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this the words of the prophets agree 
just as it is written. After this, I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does all these things. Known to God from eternity are all His works. Therefore I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God, but that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, and from blood. For Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. Tradition or grace? It's an issue that has been going on for over ten years in the church. And it's an issue that is still going on today. Which will it be? Tradition or grace? It takes its form in worship styles. (laughs) Tradition, contemporary, the hymns, praise and worship, Some think the only way to worship is with the hymns. Some think the only way to worship is contemporary. Some think tradition. Some think you can only win people to the Lord by traditional ways. Some think that tradition is old and outdated. Some think the Word of God is old and outdated. Some even think the church is old and outdated. Some think we ought to do away with the church. But I want to tell you that it's not either or, tradition or grace. It's not one or the other. It is both. In actuality, it is all. The Apostle Paul said it best. I am all things to all people that by all means I may win some. So if the Apostle Paul centuries ago made that statement and made that claim, it was not tradition going back to Moses and some of the religious establishment claimed it was in that day by grace. Tradition and grace, the same as it is today. It's not just one or the other. It is by all means possible that we win people to the Lord Jesus. You can agree or disagree. Styles of worship have its place and their place. Some like one, some like the other. There are churches that have a traditional service, and then there are those that also have a contemporary service. There are those who like the mixture, and so they have a mixture of service. Friend, 
It's not one or the other. It's not either or. It is both. The Bible does not set down that you have to be traditional or that you have to be contemporary or that you have to have a blended. The Bible sets down the Word of God that it is by grace, through faith, in Christ that we are saved. The Bible says in Proverbs 30, verse 5, every word of God has proven to be true. Hebrews 4.12 says, God's Word is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword and cuts deep as the place where soul and spirit meet, the place where joints and marrows meet. God's Word judges a person's heart, judges a person's life, his thoughts, and his or hers intentions. You are safe and sure when you base your life upon the Word of God, that you are in the right territory and the right area when you base and look at your life from the Word of God. Second Timothy 4 says, A time will come when people will not listen to truth, teachings. Instead, they will follow their own desire and surround themselves with teachers who tell them what they want to hear. People will refuse to listen to the truth and turn to myths. That is the, the, the sensation of our day. We don't want to hear the truth. Pat me on the back and tell me what I want to hear. Because I don't want to hear that I'm wrong. Don't tell me I'm wrong. Don't tell me how I really am. God has left us a book, friend. He's left us a book. <laughs> that tells us where we are, who we are, what we are. But bless God, He tells us also what we can be. Hallelujah. And what He wants us to be. And it is not based upon your desire. It's not based upon my desire. It's not based upon what we want to hear. Hallelujah! It's based upon what God wants us to hear and what God has written down for us through those whom He has guided. We'd better listen to it. We'd better follow it. Wayne Grudem, in his book Systematic Theology, says... If we deny inerrancy, we have a serious moral problem and we can't believe God and it's okay to lie. That means that every little bit white lie we tell is okay if we don't believe this word is inerrant. It means that if we tell a lie, it's okay too. It's just a different color. The same lie wrapped in a different color. But the truth is, if we deny inerrancy, can you really trust God in anything? If inerrancy is not real, if the Word of God is not in error. Can we really trust God in anything? 
If we deny inerrancy, we make our own human minds. Now listen to this. If we deny the Word of God is inerrant, we make our own human minds a higher standard of truth than God's Word. And finally, if we deny the Word of God is inerrant, we must also say the Bible is wrong in the minor details and some of the doctrines that are mainstream for us insofar as our salvation is concerned. Which may mean you and I are not saved at all. If we've trusted in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and His death and burial and resurrection and ascension, we've trusted in Him, we may not be saved. So you may not be a Christian at all and I may not be a Christian at all if the Word of God is not in error. We cannot be sure. Verses 1 and 5 of chapter 15, the law was what some claimed was the truth. And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, unless you are circumcised, According to the custom of Moses, tradition, you cannot be saved. Well, that would really pose a problem today, wouldn't it? If we had to be circumcised in order to be saved. You can't be according to the traditionalist. But verse 4, verse 5, excuse me, goes on to claim, but some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed, who had believed, rose up saying, it is necessary to circumcise him and to command them to keep the law of Moses. So you see, tradition was the desire. You had to become a Jew. You had to follow the symbol of Judaism, in order to be saved. But that's not what the Word of God says. Again, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writing in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We cannot live up to the law. We cannot reach that, it's, it's, it's too high. We are not perfect. The law is the ideal. That's why God gave it, so that we not that we could reach the law, not that we could follow and obey all of the law because he, God knows we're not able to. That's the good thing about God. God knows what we're able to do and what we're not able to do. But the law was given as a guideline. Just like the laws today that we live by are guidelines. Now, 
If we come up and we're going down Highway 64 and we're running, that's 80, 85 miles an hour. And a state highway patrolman is sitting somewhere there. He's looking for people that may not be following the law. And he's going to pull out and turn on those blue lights, those, those blue light bubblegum machines, you know. He's going to come after you. Not because you couldn't keep the law, but because you didn't keep the law. But the Lord knew we're not perfect. He knew that we could not keep the law. We can't live up to it. We cannot fulfill it. It is an ideal. Don't mistake the fact that we can't live up to the law with the fact that it isn't good or with the possibility that it isn't good. It isn't that the law isn't good. It's that you and I are not perfect. Jesus was perfect. Jesus was fully human, 100% human, and 100% God. He's the only human that could live up to the law because He was God and He was perfect. Paul and Barnabas were learned men. But they knew that these believers, new believers, these Gentiles who were not Jews, could not live up to the law of Moses. And they knew also that wasn't what God gave them and taught them. That grace, grace, you know what grace is? God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is unmerited, undeserved favor. You can't buy it, you can't earn it, you don't have it except God gives it. That's grace. Grace. God's richest blessing, but at Christ's expense. So, we don't have to live up to the law. Grace is that unmerited favor that God gives to us through His Son's death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. And so, it is by Grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, that we are saved, that we can follow the Lord Jesus, that we can be a Christian, that we can be saved. And we don't have to follow the law of Moses. We don't have to be circumcised in order to be saved. So it isn't tradition. It's grace. Grace trumps tradition. But not only grace. Testing of God and troubling the Gentiles was what some of the believers wanted to do. Looking further at verses 5, 6, excuse me, through 21... The apostles and elders came together to consider the matter. The Jerusalem council. 
the Jerusalem Council came together, they assembled all of these believers, all of these theologians, all of these who had been in Christ, and studied together and talked together, and they met together to try to ferret out, well, which is it going to be? Tradition or grace? Which are we going to put forth to these new believers? Which are we going to tell the Gentiles? Which are we going to preach about and teach about? So the Jerusalem Council came together. They received the apostles and elders, and they reported about what God had been doing. You know, it's interesting. Even the church today cannot refute what God does. And when God sends revival and spreads revival, the church can't dispute that. But there are those in the church today, all over, who want to dispute when God is blessing, when God is bringing people into the church, spreading the gospel. It doesn't make any difference what age they are. If the church is growing, if the church is doing, some people don't want that to happen. They want the church just stay the same old, same old. They don't want new believers. They don't want others coming in that might look different than they. It's good that you are not that kind who don't like different people coming in and looking different than you. Of course, I... I see a lot of folks that look like me. And so I don't, I feel at home. And I hope you feel at home. Because there are a lot of people here that look like you. And uh, uh, my head may be shiny on the back. That's because I wear my halo too tight. But, you know, it isn't tradition It is grace, and God speaks about grace, and the Jerusalem Council listened to the grace because they listened to the things that God had been doing in the lives of those that He had sent out, Paul and Barnabas, for for two. The dispute was over circumcision and the law of Moses. But the evidence, the evidence that the council heard, and this is the important thing, The evidence that the council heard wasn't the dispute as it was what God was doing. Peter rose up and he said, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose, that's verse 7, among us, that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of God and the gospel and believe. Peter was a Jew. Peter didn't want to go to the Gentiles. Peter didn't want the gospel to be spread to the Gentiles. Peter wanted to keep the gospel to the Jews. But God showed him through a vision and through Cornelius that the gospel was to the Gentiles as well. So Paul the apostle to the Gentiles wasn't the only apostle to the Gentiles. Peter was also. And he took the gospel 
to the Gentiles. And so God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as He did to us. Verse 8, And made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Friends, it is not going to be the church that false tradition that the Lord Jesus is going to praise and give glory alone to when they get to heaven. It is not the contemporary church that the Lord Jesus is going to praise with all glory and all majesty because they are contemporary down here and they are winning people through the Lord alone because of their contemporary. That's not what Jesus is going to, to, uh, to praise all alone. It is not the blended church that He is just going to praise to no end by itself. He's going to praise all of us. Because it takes all of them, the gospel, to share the gospel in by, uh, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to bring people to salvation. And beloved, Jesus wants all people to be saved. It's not His will that any should perish, but all come to repentance. But friend, you and I know not all are going to come to repentance. So, the Apostle Paul was right in what he said, I have become all things to all people that by all means I may win some. They listened to all of the information They listened to James, brother of Jesus. Men and brethren, listen to me. Verse 14, Simon declared how God at first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophet. And then, so that the rest of mankind may seek, verse 17, may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does all these things. We need to listen to the Word of God, and we need to follow the Holy Spirit of God. When God is doing a mighty work, and and it's testified by all that is going on, there's unity in the body. There are people becoming Christians. There are people following the Lord Jesus. Friends, we need to listen to what God is saying and speaking, and God is saying and speaking to us today through His Word, and through lives of believers all around us. Known, verse 18, known to God from eternity are all His works. James said, therefore I judge that we shouldn't trouble these believers, those from among these Gentiles who are turning to God, but that we write them to abstain, keep away from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, and from things strangled, and from blood. For Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. James gave his testimony. Peter gave his testimony. Paul and Barney gave their testimony. And the council rendered their decision, which has left a legacy to this day.
That legacy is found in verses 22 through 35. Then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, who was also named Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren. Then they wrote this letter by them, the apostles and elders and the brethren, basically the Jerusalem council, to the brethren who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with words, unsettling your soul, saying, You must be circumcised to keep the law and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good to us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their life for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same thing by word of mouth. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourself from these, you will do well. They've left a legacy that follows down to this very day, that continues on, that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and that there is nothing else added to it. That's the Word of God. And grace, through faith, in Christ, brings people not only to the saving knowledge of a Savior who loves them, cares for them, gave His life for them, but also chooses to dwell in them through His Holy Spirit, helping them to live out and flesh out life today. In verses 30 through 35, he talks about discipleship. The Jerusalem Council agreed on salvation and everyone that this letter that they sent out rejoiced. So when they, verse 30, when they sent off, so when they sent, were sent off, they came to Antioch and when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the letter. And when they read it, they rejoiced. They rejoiced. They celebrated. They celebrated. They praised the Lord over its encouragement. Discipleship. They practiced the Great Commission. They sent people out. They made disciples. Everywhere they went, the Word of God was spread. Everywhere they went, the disciples, not just preachers, Not just Barnabas and Paul, but the disciples. Individual believers went out sharing the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. If we didn't believe that, how in the world could we support 
Keith and Joel Hokett. How could we support the other missionaries that we've sent out of this church? How could we support and continue to receive monies to go to missionaries uh, on the foreign field through our international mission board, through our North American mission board? How in the world could we claim the fact that we support missions? Period. The leaders of the early church left no question. It was not tradition. It was grace. Grace. Now, we can argue over the worship styles all we want to. We can, we can argue over what kind of worship style we want. Do you want the hymns? Okay. Yep. Uh, those of you who want the hymns, you sit in this corner, okay? Right down front over here. Be sure and bring your hymn books with you. Uh, those of you who, who want the contemporary style, uh, you sit right here in the back from halfway back to the back, and, and you stay there. And, and uh, be sure and have all the contemporary music that you can gather. And, and, and on this side, this whole side, will be the blended side. And we can argue over that. We can disagree over that. We can have complaints and problems throughout history over that until doomsday comes, until Jesus comes back, and all of those who could come to Christ, go to hell because we're arguing over the worship style. And we are not taking serious the Word of God. There are people, scores of people, out by us all the time who are dying and going to hell if we don't share Jesus with them. And it's not tradition, it's grace that's going to get them to heaven. By your witness and my witness. Not tradition. Not a specific worship style. Hey, I got my likes too. But if if you don't start to say if you don't mind, it doesn't matter whether you mind or not. It doesn't matter whether I mind or not. It ain't what I want. It's what Jesus said. Amen? That's what counts. Jesus says, if you've never trusted in me as your Lord and Savior, if you've never made sure that you've trusted in me, that you've received me as your Lord and Savior, You've repented of your sins, you've turned from your sins, and you've turned to my way. Jesus said, you don't know him. And he'll say he doesn't know you in that day. I want to ask you, I want to plead with you. If you've never trusted Jesus, please don't leave here today Because we don't know when you're going to die. You don't either. 
But that will be the last opportunity. You'll never have an opportunity. You don't know when you're going to die either. So don't leave here without Jesus. Because if you do, I'm just going to tell you the truth. You're going to split hell wide open. And I know some say, well, you know what? My friends are going to be there. (laughs) When you get to hell, you ain't going to have no friends. Even the evil one is not going to be your friend. He don't care. He just wants you to go there. Because he don't like being alone. Do you know Jesus? If you've trusted him, and you're sure of that, you're wonderful. You can celebrate today. You can celebrate and rejoice today because Jesus has counted you as one of his. And, and you can be sure that you're going to heaven when you die. But you can be sure that right now, you can rejoice even today. You can praise the Lord. I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. I know. I don't have to wonder. I know Jesus has saved me. And as long as I'm living, I can have abundant life today and eternal life when I leave this world. It's mine. It's mine. He's working on my home, my place, my room. And when it's finished, he's coming for me. But right now, it isn't finished just yet. But it will be one day. What about you? Bow your heads with me. Lord God, (laughs) thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. We don't have to worry about the tradition. We don't have to worry about traditions today. Grace. Grace alone, through Christ alone, by faith alone. Lord God, I pray that today will be a day in which, Lord, you impress upon the hearts and lives of those who've never trusted you, that today they will, before it's too late. In Jesus' name, amen.